Okay, welcome to the Ask About Asthma podcast. My name is uh, Stephen Goldring. I'm a paediatric consultant and the Northwest London lead for the CYP Asthma Network. And I'm joined here by some lovely colleagues. We're going to talk about our asthma guideline in Northwest London. Alison. So I'm Alison Summerfield, a respiratory and allergy nurse consultant at Hillingdon Hospital. My name's Zainab Bawan. I am a consultant paediatrician at um, Imperial, mainly at St Mary's Hospital and also the asthma lead there. And Idan. Hi there, my name's Idan, paediatric reg with an interest in respiratory medicine and health with this guideline. Great. So we were just going to sort of talk through some of the main steps in how we came to produce a Northwest London wide asthma guideline. And I think we, we'd start with just, you know, why did we do this? From my perspective, we just formed as a network and I thought it would be quite a kind of good good way for our network to become cohesive for us to join where all the five different acute trusts would work together on a, a shared uh, asthma acute management plan. And, and that was you know one of the key aims. And the second aim was obviously to try and reduce unwanted variation in how children who present with acute asthma uh, get managed in a different settings. I was really keen to involve trainees because I'm conscious that trainees go around all the five different trusts and it must be terribly frustrating to get told one thing in one hospital and a different thing in another. And so Idan was on our radar and very kindly volunteered to take this forward. So Idan, maybe you want to share some of your experiences of it. Uh, thanks, Stephen. So yeah, I was interested in respiratory medicine for a while and for asthma-friendly schools sounded like quite an interesting project. So I approached you about doing a QI project and you actually mentioned about this uh, new uh, unified asthma guideline you had in mind. That's how I got involved. And as you mentioned, as a junior doctor, we rotate every year and every asthma guideline is quite different. So then you end up not knowing if to believe the guidelines, uh, if they're following the research that well. It's just with them all being totally different, we thought it would be nice to have one that we can make as trainees. Uh, and then we thought it would increase uh, how well they're used if we had an involvement in making guidelines. And also, as you mentioned, with the NRAD report showing how the UK does a little bit worse than uh, other European countries and how our asthma audit results show that we're doing below average, we thought we could take some steps to improve how we do locally from an asthma perspective. And that's kind of how this all really started. Back to you, Stephen. Thanks, Dan. My, my memories uh, of uh, putting it together, and this was finalised last year, is well, lots of versions and lots of comment. What were the hardest parts, Idan, from a pure kind of medicine point of view and writing the acute management? Which bits did you find most challenging? So uh, we started off with first finding some junior doctors from each of the different hospitals who were instrument asthma. That actually was relatively straightforward. There's quite a lot of people interested, so that was a good part of it. So we had at least one representative per hospital. And then we shared each other's guidelines and we tried to find out which parts were the best and which parts were less good from each of the individual guidelines and then tried to combine that into one document. I think the hardest part was that everyone has their own individual viewpoint on certain things, especially when we tried when when as trainees, we made one version of it and then presenting it back to the seniors and the, and the wider group of stakeholders. There's a lot of individual opinions, which can sometimes be difficult to combine into one overall guideline. So we found that quite difficult. And then secondly, some of the research isn't that clear about some of the medical aspects that you were asking about. For example, 
uh, second line treatments regarding the order of when you give subutamol IV, aminophilin IV, trying to get the wording of that correct is quite difficult. There's also a lot of controversy regarding dexamethasone vs prednisolone. So, for example, the GINA guidelines do uh, allow for dexamethasone, but there's also a lot of strong opinions regarding that decision. So I think trying to finalize the wording uh, using research and then getting an agreement from the stakeholders is probably the most difficult part medically. Yeah, thanks, Idan. I, I think the the dexamethasone question was was very heated, you know, intellectual and good way. And I, we could probably spend a whole podcast discussing that. So I, I'm not going to discuss it any further. But it was a really it was really important that you had to respect everybody's wishes. And I think we found a compromise where in fact we've got both both options are available in our guideline. And I suppose as the evidence changes, that, that may amend. Alison, one of the big changes was that we switched from our traditional sabutamol weaning plan to what we termed a going home plan. And that probably is the biggest change. I wonder what your sort of experience of that was. So I think realistically, from a parent's perspective, the weaning plan was actually often quite confusing. So they would go home on day one, 10 puffs every four hours, then on day two, drop down to six puffs every four hours, et cetera, et cetera. And they often got very confused with which days were, were what and what they should be doing. And actually, our experience when we were doing the 48-hour reviews during the COVID phase to try and ease the pressure on primary care was that many of the families had actually stopped using the salbutamol inhaler quite early on, at which we were quite horrified at the time because they weren't following the plan that we'd given them. And actually, when we decided to, as part of these guidelines, implement the going home plan, actually it made sense and it seemed much simpler. I think one of the biggest worries for us is that we were going to see a rebound of hospital admissions, of children representing because they weren't managing on you know, the decreased amount of salbutamol. But in actual fact, that hasn't happened, which is quite reassuring. I think the other thing to say is that it's a much simpler approach the children and their families understand that when they go home they use two to six puffs of the salbutamol inhaler if and it's a big if if they need it at a maximum of every four hours and i think another knock-on positive effect of this which you know we've learned since this has happened is the fact that actually it makes it much simpler for the schools to follow so prior to this being implemented families were trying to send their children back into school when they were on 10 puffs four hourly. That was never going to happen. But actually now the children can go back to school as soon as they're ready and use their blue inhaler if they require it. And it's actually a much simpler approach. So it's really been a very positive experience for all of us. Yeah, it is. It, it just makes sense. It, it marries with what people were doing anyway. But one of the challenges I think is getting the communication right. I'm not sure we got that 100% right, but You've got to get the GPs lined up, nursing staff, doctors and friends and getting everybody on the same page at the same time so that you're not sending mixed messages is really important. And I think we tried pretty hard to do that. But I think when you're going to launch something like this, it's really important that everybody is, is lined up for it. 
And I think the anxiety was a bit palpable at that time, wasn't yes. it? Everyone was really worried about such a big change and exactly what you're saying, like how are the families going to cope? Are we going to see all these children coming back in who were not ready for this change and, and are really unwell? And it's been exactly like you said, it's been a really positive experience, I think. It just yes. meant a lot more robust <laughs> communication. Yeah, it worked well in Imperial as well. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, following on from what you've both been saying, I think it has worked really well at Imperial. We've certainly met our challenges as well. And I think that's why these kind of all of us coming together really helps to share ideas and, mm. and share what's been happening. And actually, just like Idan was mentioning, bringing in all the junior doctors, actually, there was so much enthusiasm from everyone to really share their views. And I think that was really helpful for, for me and to yeah. then share between us as a group to see what's working and what's not working from that from the perspective of the people who are really kind of on the ground floor talking to all the parents and sharing that communication and one of the things is actually people have liked the fact that it's been quite robust to this what we we call it the discharge bundle <laughs> but it's really robust it's it's quite directive it's very clear exactly what they need to include and it's actually helped with people's learning themselves of all the things that they should be asking even at the point of clerking and a bit of deeper information to yes. to make sure these children are safe to go home and um, they have found you know it's a bit of extra work sometimes there's a bit of duplication there's a bit of extra paperwork for for not all the hospitals are kind of computer based and i think even those of us who are using online systems i think we can there's still so much improvements we can make there to build things in yeah. into our online systems and we're we're, we're working really hard and working together to try and make some of those things better i think yeah i think Zainab, it, the um one of the other aspects of, of our guideline was we we had we were quite, if you like, prescriptive about what our expectations were for a discharge review, which could be done by an asthma nurse specialist or a doctor, a junior doctor. And I think it, in some ways it can seem onerous. We would feel as asthma professionals that it's good practice to cover all those aspects, but getting yes. the balance right between yes. a perfect review and, you know, you've got 20 kids exactly. waiting at A&E and they all need seeing, you know, it's really tough. How have you, I mean, we know we haven't got it quite right. How have you sort of worked to, yeah. you know, move us on to some amendments to the first version? Yeah, I think one of the things we've done is created like a sort of an e-proforma, almost shortcut handle yeah. that will just include, you know, a quick list of all the really important questions to make sure that people have have asked and I think actually that that's that's worked quite well with the junior doctors and a lot of them are using that now mm. um, and and one of the things that, that that came back from all the different trusts was actually it would be nice to have pro forma that just made things easier and quicker yeah um, so that's that's one of the things that I think is working well quite now I mean at the moment we we're always touching base with the team and just seeing what's going well and what's not going well and I think that's the useful thing as well about doing you know regular review of all yeah. our data to see okay but there's there's a lot of education that needs to be done and with changing teams changing doctors changing lots of new junior nurses we, it's really important for us i think as the yeah. leaders of the team to keep going back and having those conversations with everyone and making sure that everyone's up to date because mm -hmm. it has been quite a big change yeah and i was thinking i was listening to something from a community of practice which is the um, there's an asthma forum that takes place and listening about the new level five tiered training that's being rolled out and whether we need to develop a sort of training package which was idan our original intention was to have a kind of training package that we could deliver to all the trainees be they gps or pediatricians 
across northwest london which would then give them their level i think it's two training might be quite a nice idea as a something yeah. to kind of move forwards with well great i think thanks very much for talking i think we'll draw that to a close that's the end of today's episode of the ask about asthma podcast but there's lots of more information and resources available if you see the ask about asthma webpage. but thanks very much for joining us Thank you.